joining us on the line from Reader's Digest magazine, we say hello to Stephanie Verge. Good morning, Stephanie. Good morning, John and John. Hey, great to have you on the line again. This one comes from the, uh, well, it, it's really the health section, but it's your cover story. Uh, 50 ways to protect your heart like cardiologists do. What a brainchild right there. How do we figure out what's the best thing to do for a heart? Why don't we talk to the heart doctors and what they do? <laughs> That's right, because we forget sometimes that our doctors are also human and that yeah. they have health to take, they have their own health to take care of. And so we thought we'd go straight to the source. Uh, there are 50 different items. This is a, a very long article, uh, which for Reader's Digest is a little rare, isn't it? It's true. Our cover stories are usually about this length, so about eight pages. Um, but often our health stories will run a little shorter, you know, six pages, four pages, two pages, eight pages. We'd like to mix it up. Uh, and it's great you actually talk to actual Canadian cardiologists and got some great advice. So uh, we just thought we'd t- explore some of them. Uh, you can check them all out, of course, in the pages of Reader's Digest magazine. Uh, on number eight on uh, on the uh, the list of the 50 things is... Uh, one of the cardiologists uh, says that they stick to a low-fat dairy. It's true. So one of our sections has to do with healthy diets because, of course, our doctors are always telling us to eat healthy, and it's what you'll find in magazines and other health sources. And so we spoke with Dr. Sharon Mulva, who's um, uh, the head of the Maritime Heart Center Women's Heart Health Clinic in Halifax. And so she talked about sticking to low-fat dairy, which a lot of people think, oh, maybe that won't make a difference, but... In her opinion, because it does, of course, provide calcium, vitamin D, and protein, but it doesn't have the saturated fats, um, or perhaps it might just have a minimal amount of saturated fats when compared with regular fat dairy. And so low-fat dairy has been associated with um, weight maintenance and reduced cardiovascular disease. So in her case... Um, you know, but don't don't go don't go bananas with your low fat dairy. You know, the idea is just still to consume um, moderate amounts. So she focuses on plain Greek yogurt, and she has skim milk mainly in her lattes. Okay, so we all know how difficult it is to stick to a healthy diet. Right. Something that was recommended in this article is to just keep unhealthy foods out of your house entirely and avoid temptation. It's true, and it's it's really practical advice when you think about it. Out of sight, out of mind. You know. And you you may still be focusing on it, um, but when you don't have it within five meters of you, your likelihood, you're not always going to want to go out and get your unhealthy food, especially today when it's cold and right. snowy. Um, if you have, you know, vegetables, lots of fruits and vegetables and healthy proteins in your house as opposed to chips, uh, chances are you're going to eat what what is there. And so uh, Dr. Christopher Labos, his advice is if he's out for dinner, he may indulge in a treat, but he certainly doesn't um, eat treats uh, slash unhealthy foods on a daily basis. Uh, of course, if you're going to be talking about a healthy heart, you know the cardiologists are going to talk about exercise and exercising every day. Uh, one of the cardiologists even mentions that they got a dog. <laughs> it's true. And it's funny, that's a that's a tradition in my family as well. When my mother retired, she adopted a dog um, as a way to get her out of the house and also have some company. Mm-hmm. And uh, a couple years ago, I myself got a dog, and it wasn't for exercise, um, just because they're so darned adorable. <laughs> but, uh, you know, walking a dog three times a day, you're guaranteed to get your extra steps. And, uh, you know, they, they need to go outside. So in the morning, in the evening, and in the afternoon, if if your job, if you work from home, then you'll you'll find yourself making reaching those ten thousand steps a day, no problem. Exercise is certainly important, but as well, something that goes with that is making sure you stay hydrated because there's some 
negative things that could happen if you're not hydrated when you begin your exercise? Yeah, so people who consume a lot of health um, content, health advice, will notice that drinking water appears everywhere. (laughs) Uh, Remaining hydrated has a lot of positive effects on your health. And so um, one of the cardiologists that we interviewed talks about the importance of drinking water. So if you were to, say, begin a workout dehydrated, it means that you have an elevated resting heart rate. The exercise doesn't go as well. The muscles don't feel as, as good. And uh, that's just in an exercise context. During the day, if you are underhydrated, you may experience headaches, you'll experience fatigue. Um, and even often when we have hunger pangs, what we mistake for hunger pangs are, in fact, our body telling us to drink water. Hmm. Mm, interesting. Well, with that exercise goes mindfulness in terms of making sure you get a good night's sleep. And everyone knows that. We've been told that for ages. But <laughs> there's something that's mentioned in this article about something called sleep hygiene that I'm not as familiar with. Yeah, so sleep hygiene. Um, we're talking about, you know, keep the screens. The, the one we talk about most often now is keeping screens out of the bedroom. A lot of people choose to have a television in their bedroom. Um, and there are many studies to support the idea that uh, not only for your say, intimate life, but also for your uh, your sleep, it's disruptive. So looking at a screen or looking at your phone, whether it's a TV, phone, iPad, computer, etc., before two hours before you go to sleep um, has shown time and time again to disrupt sleep patterns. We know a little bit more about the effects of caffeine, so drinking caffeine in the evening, drinking alcohol in the evening. Often we think alcohol is going to help us sleep. Now, it may help us fall asleep, but it will not help us stay asleep. Right. Um, so there, there are a lot of ways, you know, consuming herbal tea instead of uh, coffee, reading a book, so not a screen, um, something like that, meditating even before you go to sleep, which is actually the next thing we're going to address, I believe. Yeah, it's interesting that a doctor would talk about meditating as being a, a, a good, healthy heart practice. Mm-hmm. We often think that, you know, traditional doctors, they, they're, you know, not into what we may perceive as alternative uh, exercise or health. Um, but in fact, a lot of people meditate for a lot of different reasons. And one of the doctors that we interviewed talks about the importance of, of meditation for himself, but also for his practice. He talks about how as a doctor, he's pulled in a lot of different directions, and it's really easy to become overwhelmed by his responsibilities. And so he'll, he finds that doing even just 10 minutes of guided meditation in the morning helps calm his mind and uh, ideally also his heart. Not surprisingly, the article also lists a lot of these cardiologists as saying that they do go to the doctor and get screened and tested. It is, it is. And one of the most important things that comes with that is looking at at family history of cardiac disease. Yeah, so more than 80% of North Americans develop high blood pressure in their lifetime, which is a very, very high percentage, obviously. But if one or both of your parents have had high blood pressure, you're likely to develop it earlier. So if you can adjust your lifestyle, so do all the things that we talked about before and also avoid, say, high salt products, etc., you can delay the onset of hypertension by a number of years and also make it a lot more manageable. That's just one example of how looking at your, your family health history can help your heart. And the last one really uh, surprised me because I did not see the correlation between getting a flu shot and heart health. Mm -hmm. So we're talking about, it's not a massive correlation, but it does make sense. We're saying that the wave of seasonal flu in society goes hand in hand, or parallel rather, with an increase in acute cardiovascular events. 
So when you think about it, when you break it down, if your body is trying to fight off the flu and you have a pre-existing heart condition, whether you know it or not, because some of us may have a heart condition and not know it, then there's a risk that that heart condition will be exacerbated by your illness. Um, so that's one, one reason to get the flu shot. As, of course, we've discovered with this year's flu with H1N1 um, resurfacing, this flu is, is really brutal and people have gotten very sick and in some, you know, some cases there have been um, fatalities. It's, you know, always a good idea to check out if, if a flu shot is, is the correct option for you, and not just for your heart, but for a more global health that's all in the article, 50 Ways to Protect Your Heart Like Cardiologists Do. Stephanie Verge from Reader's Digest Magazine, thank you so much for joining us. If uh, folks have uh, more questions or they want to find out more about this, where should they go? They should absolutely head to our website, which is rd.ca. Stephanie, thank you so much for joining us here on Talk of the Town. Thanks so much for having me.